Well, one of the things that audiences love to do is they love a mystery. This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 82. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. Something we've been doing our entire lives is speaking on stage and performing and that and kind of thing. And please ask what you said there. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few things, but I went with speaking. Thank you, mate. Appreciate that. Yes, speaking, being on a platform in front of a bunch of people is one of the most effective ways of opening yourself up to new audiences, but also creating a really deep honest bond with people. I know there's people who have followed on the internet for years and never really bought anything from them particularly, but then I've seen them live and I saw, I thought I get them now. I can feel them. They're a real human being and I trust them much more. So, and I've had the money since. Equally, when we've seen them selling stuff on the internet and, and have engaged with them, and then we've seen them coming to a city or a town near us. We've traveled specifically yes, to say, okay, yes. great. Now I need to go and see this person speak. I have to see what they have to share with us live. And, and see if it's all legit as well. It's a really yeah. good good way of legitimizing and consolidating all of that sort of stuff. But for most people, there is that, that old thing about the, the biggest fear in the world above dying in that old survey they did back in the like 70s or something was going to a room full of strangers and speaking in front of them, public speaking. Mm-hmm. And obviously you and I don't really get that utter fear, or if we do in some sort of sadistic way, we really enjoy it. Uh, that, that sort of terrifying feeling, because you still do get nervous and stuff. So we're going to be talking to Gigi Rosenberg about that today, uh, but and how you can do it, why you should do it, some strategies for doing it really, really well. What happens if you dry up and don't know what to do? We're gonna, she's got some really fascinating techniques that we go through in this episode. Mm. But before we get there, we're going to go over into Rob's all-important quote of the week. Yes, because as they say, windows, chimneys, and doors, always entrances, never exits. Love that. Love that. Love that. It made me feel very Mary Poppins. Speaking of chimneys. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. The word chimney always makes you think Mary Poppins. Chimney, 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 chim, chim, chiru. He doesn't say chimney, chimney, though, does he? Chimney, chimney. Chim, chimney, chim. Anyway, we can't do any it's more the word with that. chimney. It probably is. I've just never thought of it as the word chimney before. Anyway. You're welcome. You're, yeah, there you go. Uh, by the way, a lot, I mean, you're having a what moment. A mind-blowing you have, moments. You're having a mind-blowing moment. Speaking of mind-blowing moments, if you're not particularly mind-blown by the results you're getting from your email marketing right now. Ooh, segue. <sighs> would you like a segue? Uh, actually, we should do this whole thing on a segue one day. <laughs> or a shoe on. <laughs> for, one of the two. Oh, yeah, with one in hand. Uh, if, if you haven't already registered for our upcoming web class, which is all about how we created a really amazing campaign, an email marketing campaign, which literally doubled the results that we were getting from our email marketing. We were not at all satisfied with the industry average. We were completely dissatisfied by the number of sales and things we were receiving when we sent out email broadcasts and promotions. So we decided to do something about it. Rather than just bitch and whinge and complain, we decided to set about fixing it and doing something about it. So we share with you the outcome of that experiment and what we've been doing with it ever since in this special web class, which you'll find over at responsesuite.com slash webinar. It's completely free for you to register, show up from wherever you are in the world, so long as you've got an internet connection. Hmm. So without, without further ado, let's dive in and chat to Gigi. Gigi, welcome to Three Marketers Walking with Podcast. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for being here. I'm, de- I'm really, really, really excited. One of the things that I know loads of people do is we know how effective it is to sell our stuff using or sell our products or make offers using webinars or at live events, that type of stuff. Like really connecting with people in that sort of 
live, whether it's online or in-person environment, really super effective because people get to learn your personality. But one of the things that's really quite tricky can be moving away from what feels like a canned, almost dry, scripted approach. And I know as a person who teaches public speaking and that kind of thing, how do you recommend that we actually move away from that sort of dried sort of, it sounds like we're regurgitating a script and we're not very good actors? Great question. So the way I have people do that is number one, I don't have them completely script everything they're going to say. Because if it's all written out in sentences, you're going to read it. And unless you are like an Academy Award winning actor, there's no way you can read it and make it sound like it just occurred to you or that it's just fresh. The other thing I have people do is you, so, so you're going to go from talking points and what you want to do is have speak in the voice that you would speak on the telephone to like a close friend. You want to make it very conversational. So what I actually have people do is imagine that close friend on the other end of the line or, you know, in, inside their computer so that they, they have this very friendly, very conversational, very relaxed tone of voice. Mm. So those two things really, really help. Thank you, Gigi. That was very interesting. Thank you. <laughs> that was a joke there, I see. It was a little joke. You see what I, did there? I see what you did there. That was me pretending to read. Okay, so let's try that again and say it in, in a way that you might really think of something that you feel actually incredibly grateful for that I just gave you, whatever that is. Oh, thank you, Gigi. Oh, that was fantastic. That was better already. That was amazing. Look at that. Checks in the post. I'm off, the I'm off is the royalties. The Here we go. So in terms of people preparing for a presentation they're going to give, if we're suggesting that they don't like script every word, what should they do in terms of preparation? Like, are you a bullet point fan? What's your kind of process for getting that stuff together? So I'm definitely a bullet point fan, but I also think they should not be over-rehearsed. They should know where they're going, know the story they're going to tell, understand like the meta version, like what the big idea is, Mm. but then not be so rehearsed that all the phrases they've said so many times that they're coming out like just sounding canned, you know? So uh, there's just this is the I call it the medium rare, you know, not over rehearsed, but rehearsed just enough so that you know the story. That's interesting. So one of the hardest bits I think about most presentations, as people who've been in the entertainment business for a long time, which is Rob and I, and give a lot of presentations, we talk about all kinds of stuff around the world. The hardest bit, I think, for most people when they're writing a new piece of material, and that could be your presentation, your webinar, whatever, is what the hell do you say at the beginning? Like that moment you hit go on the webinar or you're introduced onto the stage at some massive marketing or industry event and you walk on and you go, oh, hello, well, I'm, I'm really nervous to be here. Oh, and by the way, I haven't slept very well. Sorry. Like one of my pet peeves is when people start off with apologies. Please don't do that. So how do we like start? Like we wander on or we hit go, we're ready to go. What's some good techniques for what the hell we say first? So I never thank people first and I recommend people don't thank people. If you want to thank people, you can thank them a few, a few minutes in. Never, ever apologize, no ma- really, no matter what has happened. The big thing is to be 
as much as possible really relaxed. So you want to get your focus off yourself and onto the audience. And then I recommend that you do know exactly what the first thing you're going to say is. And usually it, it, it might be a story that you're going to start with. It might be a question you're going to start with. But you want to, the, the energy you want to have is like you're a train and you're already leaving the station. So the people are like, what, what? Uh, yeah, I want to hop on this train. And so you're already going by the time you get up there. Is and that so a what bit that, like, you know, in the, in the latest movies about like uh, James Bond and stuff, when the movie starts, we're sort of in the middle of a chase scene. We're not seeing the setup to the chase scene, but like we're already like in full momentum. That is exactly what I'm talking about. So that you're just sitting there going, why is he chasing the guy? Where are they going? What's going on? So you want your audience to actually have to run a little bit to catch up with you. You don't want it to be so confusing because they'll, they'll, they'll stick with you for a little bit, like, you know, a few seconds or, you know, maybe even a minute. Then if they, they, they're not getting it, you're going to lose them. They're going to say, this is too complicated. I can't figure this out. But you've actually got a lot of time where it's fun for them to be thinking, what's going to happen? What's the mystery? I don't get this. I want to get this. So that's the energy you want to have at the beginning. When you say the start of your presentation needs to be like a train, that makes me think in England, that means you have to start a few minutes late. It's all about it. <laughs> if, no. if it's on time, it's, it's on. It's not like a British train. Um, no. So that's a really interesting idea. So it's almost like starting from a place of curiosity, starting from a place of you know that again a bit like the energy's already moving. Yeah. What what's happening and and they have to like why is this happening and round that up. That's really interesting and it sort of opens a loop that maybe could be finished later. So as you start to do that, do you think it's best to start with a story that's interesting so that you can paint a picture or what does that look like? You know, it doesn't have to be a story because, you know, stories, a a, a perfect story, it's hard to write. So if that's too hard, it could be a rhetorical question. It could be an interesting statistic. It could be anything dramatic. And, you know, it could be a story. It just takes, sometimes it takes longer to figure out what's a really relevant story. And the one thing about stories that I just want to say before I forget, don't ever say I'm going to tell you a story. When I hear that, all I can think of is, no, I don't want to hear the story. You know, just, just if you're going to tell a story, just, just tell it and tell it probably if you've written it, you probably want to start with your second paragraph or your second page when the story is already moving and it needs to be really relevant and with all the extra junk that doesn't matter, completely edited out. That's really cool because one of the things I like to do, and it's interesting that you're sort of confirming this, is I like to have my first sentence already completely rehearsed. Like I have it line for line, but I know the energy which I'm going to deliver every single part of it with before I walk on stage. Not only is it better for the audience, but it gives you more confidence because actually when you wander on stage, the last thing you want to be doing is try to that sort of think of something relevant, interesting, funny, whatever, whimsical to say and deal with the nerves and try and connect with the audience and be conscious that you're not going to fall off the edge of the stage or that the webinar is not going to fall over and the technology is going to fall over. Instead of all that, you've already know it, you already know what you're going to say and all you're going to do is focus on standing there and, not, and, and making sure you do a good job. So it's a really good confidence thing as well, isn't it? 
Oh, it really is. And, you know, I also do solo performance. And when I start a performance, not only do I know my, my first couple of sentences, but, but usually the director gives me something to do. Like when you start the show, I want you unpacking this box of photos just so I, I give myself something to do. Otherwise, if I'm wandering on and I don't have anything to do, it just makes me even more self-conscious and more nervous, you know, and it just starts setting up this vicious cycle. So what you want to do is set up a positive cycle where you just keep getting a little better and a little better and a little better. And also your body starts to calm down. You know, all that adrenaline is just starting to get processed. So you are actually relaxing faster when you have, you know exactly what that first sentence is going to be. That's the only thing you should memorize, the first sentence and also your last sentence. Mm. One of the things that we've noticed, and I'm definitely guilty of it. In fact, I'm making a conscious effort not to do it now, both in real life and online presentations is talking too fast, waffling through stuff and not really giving the listener or the audience time to really consume it and really comprehend everything. Like the words have to land, don't they? Yeah. So what do you do in order to, because it's a natural habit that most people have, and I don't know if it's nerves or a combination of other things. What can you do in order to consciously start to slow down and give an audience what they need, again, whether it's online or in person, in order to consume? Well, one thing to remember is that pausing can be dramatic. The other thing I want to say is as normal human beings, when we're in a conversation, we are constantly checking in with, the, with the, you know, our friend, our, our listener, our audience. Are you getting this? So we naturally know when to pause to, to, to wait and see, you got it? You got it? Okay, now I'm going to you know, keep going. Also, we're naturally getting when the other person's losing interest. I mean, how many of us have sort of cut to the chase in our story to think, oh, I can't, I can't talk too much more about what shoes I was wearing because I can tell that I'm losing my listener. I better <laughs> know what happened at the party, right? So it's the more relaxed we are, the more we can just pause and give the listener time to take it in and then, you know, then go on to the next thing. And, and also just remember that pausing is really dramatic and helps the listener have time to take in the message. Hmm. This is very cool. I mean, obviously this is all about re what we really want to be able to get to the bottom of is how can we truly engage with our audiences so that I suppose they are as, they are as involved in the presentation as it's possible to be, I guess. So what are some techniques to really start to get the audience's uh, buy-in to what you're doing? Well, one of the things that audiences love to do is they love a mystery or something they need to solve or a conundrum. So for example, just one great teaching technique that we've all seen used a million times is if I'm going to, I don't know, teach you the four points of something, rather than just saying, these are the four points, one, two, three, four, I'll ask a question like, what, what might the four points of this be? Just so you have to start thinking about it and getting it rather than feeding you all the stuff. So, so I find that, you know, asking questions or setting up mysteries or telling a story that, you know, 
that just ha- has a piece missing or there's, you know, some intrigue in it is a great way to get listed. Like what happens next? Everybody wants to, you know, sort of have the thrill of wondering what happens next. So that's where it comes into how am I going to tell the story? So I'm not just sort of spoon feeding everybody, but I'm actually making this, the audience work a little bit to get to the next point. Now, I know I'm talking in very general terms, but all this stuff can be applied when you're figuring out how to, how to, you know, put the whole story together. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's, it's literally about having those points. It's about bringing them in, asking, I mean, I love that idea about saying, what are the points? What do you think they are? I mean, I'm a huge fan of interaction, but I know that a lot of people really struggle. are terrified. Professional keynote speakers are terrified of asking the audience. And I get that. But I think the thing is, it's just about relaxing, isn't it? You know what? That has been what I've learned in the last, I guess the last few months is life is all about relaxing. Because when you're relaxed, you can volley things back. You have, you know, the mental capacity to think fresh thoughts. When you're nervous, everything just completely shuts down. Hmm. So it's like whatever you can do to be completely relaxed. You know, sometimes I tell clients, how about you don't rehearse this the night before and you don't rehearse it, you know, the morning of. Instead, what you do is go do the hardest workout you've ever done so that you are, you know, letting your body just be completely exhausted. Mm -hmm. So when you get in there, you know, you're not carrying any or as little as possible physical tension because it's that physical tension that just starts to, you know, shut the whole machine down and relaxing is the absolute key to, to anything in life, including being a great speaker. That's one of the things I definitely do when I get on, as soon as I walk out of a platform or anything like that, the more relaxed I am, the better I am because if you're really tense, like your brain's like tense too, which means you can't make those quick connections. You can't be reflex and you look wooden. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're tense, the audience goes, oh, it's a bit like, I know you do a bit of stand-up comedy and stuff, and that kind of thing, don't you? And one of the things I remember, I'll always remember, is one night the compare said, now the next act is brand new on the circuit and he's trying out some new material, so please be kind to him, please welcome, do-da, do-da. And he would come on and the whole audience gets really tense thinking, is this going to be crap? And now, because we're not confident, one of the things we've got to do very early on is get people's buy-in that it's okay. I'm going to take care of you. We're going to have fun. Or this is going to be good. You're going to learn stuff. You're in good hands. And we can only do that if we're relaxed. One of the things I think is really interesting there is you talked about the idea of, you know, maybe doing some really intense workout just before you go on or something like that. When it comes to both, again, online webinars or offline presentations, what are the sort of things that you would recommend people start to do immediately before? So what's the thing that we do in order to get ourselves in a place? Because how do we avoid pacing back and forth and just kind of looping through the opening words of the presentation, which I think is naturally what most people do. What, what should we be doing instead? So right before it actually, like if I'm standing off stage, whether that's, you know, in my office or actually off a real stage, I sometimes I actually will pace because I want to keep my body moving. I'm also really focusing on doing some, what I call belly breathing. So just taking some really deep breaths because what happens when we get nervous is we start to breathe in a very shallow way and we're not 
quite getting enough oxygen, which makes us feel a little more anxious because we're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, I'm not getting enough air here. And it just starts to set up one of those negative loops. But if I start purposely taking some really nice deep belly breaths, that really helps a lot. And the pacing and the walking and the stretching can just keep me in my body and out of my head, which is what I want to do. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Keep you in yeah, in your body and out of your head. Sorry, I interrupt. I just got excited about that. That's okay. And then you want to just focus on what you have to give, not what you want to get people to do, but what you have to give. The older I get, the more I'm about, what do I have to give, you know, before, you know, while I'm, you know, in this life. And that, that totally calms me down because it takes the attention off me and puts it on my listener and what I'm really there to do. Very cool. When it comes to delivering in person, so I just want to jump into the, for the, for people who like us who present on stage and that kind of thing, and you've got an audience out in front of you, what do you do? What's your personal take on making it feel more personal for each person watching in the audience? So in other words, being able to try and maintain eye contact with 5,000 people or 500 people or 50 people and being able to make it feel like you're talking and delivering for them. So in person, I find the couple of friendly faces in the audience. So I don't look, you know, some people just have frowns on their faces. They look grouchy. They look bored. They we look whatever. We have a name for those people, don't we? RBF people. <laughs> That's right. I do not look at those people. But there's always at least a couple people who, you know, are just looking at you with this beautiful smile on their face. Those are the people you look at. And if there are 50, 100, you know, 500 people in your audience, if you just make eye contact with a couple of those people in the audience, it's amazing, but everybody will feel like you've looked at them. Mm. So you do not need to look at everybody. You just need to make eye contact with a couple of people in the audience. And those can be the people that look friendly. You want to basically be like the Mona Lisa, don't you, where everyone in the room feels that you're looking at them. (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> nice little art reference you for you there. That. Nice little art that's reference. Like, yeah. That's the art reference for the podcast. That's, that's it forever now. Let's uh, let's interrupt proceedings for a moment. Just for play. a moment. Just for a moment. We're going to just interrupt proceedings for a second and we're going to play our favourite game. So here's how it works. My colleague Kennedy here. Hello. That's him. He's going to sing a song for you now, Gigi. Now your job and dear listener at home is simply to guess what song Kennedy. Oh, but he's going to sing it. I forgot the important bit. He's going to sing it in the style of a traditional British club singer, which means that some of the words may be somewhat confused or distorted. And your job is to guess what song it is. So I, was, I, was gonna, I thought I was going to get away with actually just singing it this time. No. Nope. Off so, you ready? go. Hit you with me, I was dying for you to get to the chorus. I have no idea at oh. all. <laughs> I am so bad at these games. <laughs> you, you did say before we started recording that you have been brushing up on your skills and listening and you've not been successful in past episodes either though, have you? I have not, and unfortunately Grace, not, not Grace this way here. Our, Grace here in our office is sat immediately behind the computer, and she looked very confused as well. It was, in fact, Rhinestone Cowboy by Glenn Campbell. Of course it was. 
I was just like a rhinestone cowboy, just that, just so you know. Uh, and I, lo- and <laughs> I, I love like, that I'm song. A rhinestone cowboy. That was, <laughs> that was painful, I'm not gonna lie. One of the things that actually is very difficult for all of us, whether we're delivering online or we're delivering in person, is that moment when we feel like we might have lost the audience. In person, it's easy to sort of absolutely see because we might see people looking around or checking out their phones, which they do more than ever these days, or or they're sort of yawning even, or maybe falling asleep. Leaving. Leaving, <laughs> yeah, walking out. Or online, it might be ask a question, you don't get much response, or you just feel like, you know what it is, I feel like I've lost them. Have you got some techniques you could share with us to have in our back pocket for those moments that we feel like, oh, I think I've sort of lost them. I've just, Something's happened here, they're disengaged, they're disenfranchised, and we need to win them back in because I've still got lots more stuff to get through. So in those moments, you're going to be tempted to speed up and try to get to the end as fast as possible. Absolutely. And the more you speed up, the more you're going to lose them. So you need to do the opposite, which is, is actually to slow down. And don't be afraid to stop. And don't be afraid to say, am I losing you? What's going on? You know, not in a, you know, in a, like a combative way or anything, but just to, you know, because that will shock your audience back into, oh, you know, she's talking to me, you know, and I have even said, gee, are you getting this? You know, I'm getting the feeling that you're not. And sometimes it's just a quiet group Mm. or sometimes people are really listening and that's why they're so quiet. So you don't really know what's happening until you ask them and find out. One thing is for sure, do not start speeding up because then, then you're just a horse galloping away from your audience. And if, if, you, if you are actually losing them, then you're going to lose them for good. Mm, which is the worst, the absolute worst. I think one of the things that really separates uh, presenters from great presenters is their ability to say the same sort of thing, but in interesting ways and with their own personality and with their own stuff. So for example, you have two presenters who are given the exact same content to present and they know it equally well, like they both know what it is they're supposed to be talking about. But one of them is compelling and engaging and charismatic. And the other one is just telling the story. It's just telling the content, talking through the content. So how do you start to inject your personality? So your sort of language and your sort of way of talking into a presentation to really make it truly you? So if they've got the, the absolutely same content, I'm trying to think of what would be different about what they're doing. I mean, it would be really interesting to watch. And this is what I do all the time is I actually watch all kinds of presenters, whether it's somebody standing up at the, you know, the parent teacher association to give the welcome to, you know, like a really good Netflix special stand up comedian. And I think, and I, and I'll analyze it and say, wow, that was really engaging or really funny. What did they do? Oh, they told the story and they acted the whole thing out. Oh, they just stopped and really looked at us, you know. Oh, you know, what, whatever they did, uh, you know, like if you're, if you're going to be in person, they, they, you know, really embodied, you know, they really were using their body in this, you know, in, in, the, in this really cool way. So, you know... I, 
like it, for example if you really want it to be you if you can change the content a little bit so the stories you're telling are, are about things that really happen to you or actually one tweak I'll often give somebody is you know how like in a speech somebody will say oh and thank you to the board of directors and thank you to my staff and thank you to you know Joe Schmo what I have somebody do rather than just like thank general people I'll say when you thank the board of directors Think of the one guy you're really thankful for. And I want you to bring his image to your mind when you thank the board of directors. And when you thank your staff, think of the one staff person you like the best. And when you thank the volunteers, think of the one volunteer who's really made all the difference this year. And it's amazing when you're thinking of those actual people, even though you're saying, I want to thank the board of directors, I want to thank the volunteers, your voice changes because you're actually thinking of an actual person. And it's, it's weird. That, yeah. yeah, It's that inner dialogue in theater. It's called the subtext or the internal dialogue. It's, that, it's, it's what's going on in your head. That's like the inner game almost of giving that presentation. And it's that same thing we talked about right at the very top of this episode, which is around when you're giving that presentation, making it as if you're talking to your best friend, somebody who you're helping out and sharing this training with personally. That's the inner game. When you walk on stage, imagining it's full of friendly faces and, and picking out those friendly faces. And then, of course, now when you're doing that thanking, making sure it's personal. That's, that must work across everything though, must it? Like when you're making an example of anything, bringing up in your mind that personal, that individual to make it really personally hit home has to make all the difference, right? It must be communicated through the words you say, the way you're saying them, your body language, everything. Yes. And you know, you just reminded me of two other things I often tell people. You know how when somebody comes over to your house, you're going to be the host and you're going to, you know, you're going to invite them in. It's your place. When somebody stands up to do a speech or even does, does a, you know, webinar where it's just an audio thing, act like they're at your house for dinner and you are the host. There's this warmth that you'll start to exude. And if, if that's hard, then just practice warmth, that warmth that you would have with an individual friend. And that practicing warmth and, act, and acting like they're at your house for dinner is going to start bringing out that, that inviting, personal, warm host out, which is exactly the kind of quality you want to have no matter what you're presenting. So what we're basically saying is drink lots of wine, then do your webinar. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to ask you now, Gigi, to channel your inner Simon Cowell, right? Because sometimes when you see Simon Cowell judging a program, you'll get this singer on and everyone thinks the I singer's thought you asking to pull her trousers up really high. <laughs> um, <laughs> they'll say, some singer will come on and sing and everyone at home goes, oh my God, that's brilliant. And everyone in the audience stands up and then Simon he Cowell would say, says, you've got the talent of an old lemon. <laughs> and he would say, you've got, some, you've got some really, you can tell you've been a pub singer for a really long time because you've picked Thank up some you. really bad habits, some really bad pub singer habits. So I bet that there are loads of people who go out and do presentations and they get lots of good feedback, but they actually suffer from some of those bad habits that for you as somebody who coaches professional speakers would say, oh, I wish somebody would stop doing that. For example, this is an obscure example, but sometimes you get that dreaded moment where the speaker has to shush the audience. That's one of mine. It makes me absolutely shiver. What for you are the sort of top two or three bad habits that people may have that they don't know they've got until you mention them uh, that are kind of ruining their presentations? So especially young speakers will often raise their voice at the end of every phrase or in every sentence they say. So it sounds like they keep asking the audience questions 
and that they're extremely unsure of themselves. Mm. And so that's one that I notice a lot. The other thing I notice is people often using, especially starting with a filler word, like they get up to the microphone and they say, so, and I'm like, okay, great. Let's try that again. And you can say the so to yourself, but don't say it out loud. Or just having a lot, or when they, where they're thinking a lot of, um, you know, yeah. you knows, likes, that kind of thing. Those are very, very hard to get rid of. But until you bring them into consciousness, then you're just going to be saying them all the time. Mm. So the first step in getting rid of all those filler words is just to notice when you're doing them. And then what's going to happen is you'll start to notice the moment before you say like, um, and all those filler words. And then what will happen is the day will come when you can stop yourself from saying it. But it's definitely a process and you can't stop it unless you notice that you're doing it. So those are my, those are my two biggest ones that I notice in terms of those kind of bad habits that people have that they can be very unaware of, especially the asking the question or, or sounding like you're asking a question at the end of every sentence. Love that. Uh, so, you know, shall we go to the next round? No, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> sounds good. Let's go into the quick fire round. Hey, hey. You don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. So, Gigi, start by giving us a book that you recommend. One of my favorite books is a book called The Business of Expertise by David C. Baker. I love this book. It's about what it takes to really be an entrepreneur. And one of the things I learned from this book that I love is, you know how a client will call you and they'll say, you know, I need A, B, and C. I need two hours of coaching. I need, you know, and, and, you know, the, the young entrepreneur, the inexperienced person will be like, oh, okay, they said they need two hours and that's what I'll give them. But one of the things he teaches in the book, which, you know, we, we all learn eventually, is this idea of remembering that when somebody calls us, we're the expert. Hey, you might need, you know, one minute or you might need, you know, 10 sessions. But, you know, I would never say this, but, you know, don't tell me you need two. Let's talk about what your problem is and all the different ways we can solve it. And then I'll tell you what I recommend and what you need. So the book is wonderful. And it's all about just how to really stand in your power as, as an expert. I couldn't put it down. I just finished it and I'm, I'm going to, I'm actually going to read it again. I love those books. I get that excited. What are some of your top sort of success habits, things that you do regularly? Well, this is something that I, that I aim to do regularly and it's very simple. It's just get up early, which I had to do today to talk to you guys and work on, you are so, you are so welcome. (laughs) Work on my business first, even before I do client work. Hmm, Very cool. so even if it's the first 20 minutes, that's fine. As long as it's the first thing that I do. That's a really good discipline to have to make sure you're doing it, you're growing it for yourself. Who do you look up to? You know, I haven't read her memoir yet, but it's the next on my list. This was the answer that came to me when I thought about this. Is It's Michelle Obama. Mm. Number one, I love her arms. She has the most beautiful arms. I want to have arms like Michelle Obama. But... Really what it is, is I just find she's got so much poise and um, I just really respect how much she's done and what she's done in the world and how much she's given back. 
So that's 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 who I look up to today. She's anyway. given so much back, and she's got a cracking pair of arms. I love that. Love that. What are some of your favorite apps? Things that really run your life or in your business? What things do you rely on apps wise? So I'm not a super techie person, but the one app that I've used for a couple years now that I absolutely love is called Things. I've got it on my phone. I've got it on my computer. And what it helps me do is I'm one of these people that has ideas all the time, and it just helps me schedule those ideas. So I'll put in, oh yes, next Tuesday is when I'm going to do that. It's just a way of like holding my big to-do list. So it's not all on one day, but it's like spread out over when it needs to happen. So Things is my absolutely favorite app that I, I use constantly all day. I've not heard of that one. No. Uh, big important question now. Who do you like more, Redhead Rob or Platinum Kennedy? I love the name Kennedy. So it's got to be Kennedy. I'm, I'm it's sorry, It's got Bob. to be Kennedy. You so see, she actually see. likes your mother. That's what that really means. Yeah, well, that's, that's still mine. Like, I can have that because it's my mother. <laughs> She's mine. Okay, let's find out. Where can folks go to find out more about you, Gigi? At my website, which is ggrosenberg.com. So it's G-I-G-I-R-O-S-E-N-B-E-R-G.com. And we'll find out all about you there. You've got some great videos on there. If you haven't been already to the website before watching this episode, there's some really great videos with some brilliant stories from Gigi at various events that she has done. Some, a really great story about her mother, I believe, cutting a huge hole in their living room floor for a very strange reason. Absolutely. <laughs> Go and find out all about that over at the website. <laughs> ggrosenberg.com. Gigi, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for the games, but most importantly, thanks for all that confidence and those ideas that we can go and use when we're out there playing in the big wide world online or at live events to have a bit more confidence and have some more skills. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you for having me. There's some great tips in that. Even for like people who are pretty experienced in it, like there's some really nice meat to just come out of that and refresh yourself and say, do you know what it is? If I ever find myself in a pickle, I kind of know what I'm going to do. Right. And, and maybe that will give you the inspiration that you need to go and actually start doing this if it's something you've never really done before. You know, if, you, if you're not currently speaking or you're not currently running your own events and speaking at those, then this might give you the little nudge that you need to think, actually, do you know what? I can do this. Yeah. And there's lots of take, lots to take away from that. Uh, we've written them all down for you, taking our big takeaways and also everything that you talked about in that at blog.responsesuite.com slash zero eight two. Now, if you haven't already, uh, make sure you leave us a review. We keep asking you every single week because it really is important. It really does help podcasts like us to get more listeners and spread this amazing stuff further. So all you've got to do is pop over to responsesuite.com forward slash iTunes. That's where you can leave a review on iTunes, or of course you can do it on your favorite podcast networks. You'll know where that is. We'll see you next week. Don't miss a thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com.